The city of brotherly love is anything but in recent years. In 2021, Philadelphia made history with the number of homicides at 562. While the rise in crime has alarmed many, there are some who would attempt to dismiss it. Across the country, rogue prosecutors are making sweetheart deals with violent criminals, and Philadelphia is not immune. It too has fallen victim to the failed pro-criminal policies of District Attorney Larry Kraska. Despite the mounting challenges they face, the men and women of the Philadelphia Police Department go to work every day to serve and protect their communities. On this episode of The Blue View, we're joined by John McNesby, President of the Philadelphia Fraternal Order Police Lodge 5. I am Patrick Yeos, National President of Fraternal Order Police. This is The Blue View. Well, John, thank you for joining us today uh, to, to talk about some, some really important issues that are happening in Philadelphia and concerns we have. Before we start, could you uh, a little bit of your background? Well, I've uh, been involved with the FOP since at the start of my career back in 1986, um, you know, slowly moving up and as a squad director, delegate, street cop from narcotics, served uh, over a decade in the Kensington area here in Philadelphia, which is probably now known as the Badlands. Uh, from there, um, I came uh, more involved as vice president of the FOP in 2002, um, moving up to president in 2007. So uh, I've been here since uh, 07. We, we're running a good organization here. We run a tight ship. Uh, we have a lot going on. We have a lot of employees. We have a brand new building. It's uh, I think looks like uh, things are clicking good. You know, some bumps in the roads outside, I think, is, uh, as everybody is um, seen around the country. But uh, right now we're uh, we're holding our own. Well, you you definitely have been uh, been guest at your lodge many times. You got a beautiful place there, and uh, just Thank run you. a run a, a, a class operation. Appreciate all you do there, John. There have been 562 homicides in Philadelphia last year. Uh, it, it, it seems everyone knows that there's a problem, but some are some are very much in denial. How dangerous has the city of Philadelphia become? You know, what are the major factors that are creating these problems? You know, it's very dangerous, and I think the factor is, you know, before. You, you know, we had off, you know, we had the cops are out there. We're taking a number of, of, of guns off the street. We're doing one heck of a job out there, um, more guns than ever before. The fact is, is that we have a district attorney here in Philadelphia where he's sending a message. He was a career defense attorney. Uh, he's taking that defense attorney uh, <clears throat> status over to the uh, district attorney's office. So the folks that are on the street doing this, and I don't believe, uh, Pat, that there's a lot of people committing a lot of crime here in Philadelphia. I believe it's a small amount committing a lot of crime uh, and they know that there's no repercussions, that they're not going to be held accountable and they're going to roll the dice and they're going to go out and, and do exactly what they want to do. And hopefully they get along, you know, get away with it. So that's a problem. And I think that, you know, it's just as much of a, it is of a business as it is to the police to stop crime and protect the community. I believe it's a business to them to make sure that they can wreak havoc and do whatever they can to continue their trade. You know, we all have a role to play. And when in cities where everyone's working in concert uh, to to improve the, uh, you know, protect the communities and, and, and make them safe, uh, then we see safe communities. When we have uh, when we have a part of this, uh, this, this very complicated process that is not uh, functioning, we see the problem. Let, let's look at a video of, of, uh, of, of Krasner's position on, on law enforcement. Let's play that video. 
Well, Rick, District Attorney Larry Krasner, after a lot of backlash, says it's his obligation to do better. He said that in a new statement, and some say he had to issue that statement because in a city with 524 homicides so far this year, you can imagine how people feel when the district attorney says while homicides have increased, there's no crime crisis. This is the worst I've seen it in almost two decades. As the founder of Mothers in Charge, Dr. Dorothy Johnson Spite sees the hurt that gun violence causes. That's why she was so hurt when she heard this from District Attorney Larry Krasner. We don't have a crisis of crime. We don't have a crisis of violence. To say we don't have a crisis? Really? How could you dare? And she's not the only one with a strong reaction. Former Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter, who rarely, if ever, criticizes the current administration, says it takes a certain audacity of ignorance and white privilege to say that right now. Nutter points out that black and brown communities have particularly suffered from gun violence, asking Krasner, quote, how many more black and brown people and others would have to be gunned down in our streets daily to meet your definition of a crisis? So, John, I'm 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 shocked. I, I I just I'm not sure what to say about that statement. As a person who represents the men and women who suit up and show up every day in in a, in the streets of, of Philadelphia, do you think that that's that's an accurate statement that crime is down? No, it's just the opposite. Uh, I don't know what you know what, where he's getting his figures from, and, and and you know he's a master at deflecting blame. He takes no responsibility. One of the first things he did when he was elected here was disavow himself from the District Attorneys Association, which is a great tool uh, from around the Commonwealth of district attorneys from, from every county here. He, he moved himself away from that. He fired over 100 um, you know, assistant district attorneys who were seasoned and well-experienced. They're gone. Um, he brought in another crew that now has since gone. Nobody can seem to work for the guy. Um, his disdain for the families of crime uh, is just a shame. He does not inform them of what he is doing. He does not uh, give updates on the case. It's just, it's a sad thing when you have, a, you, you lose a loved one and you're finding out that there was a sweetheart deal cut at the bar of the court without your knowledge. Uh, he's, a, he's a master at that. Like I said, he's a defense attorney. He, he deflects everything. It's never his fault. Um, you know, and I, you know, there's, like I said, there's that certain group or that certain element that needs to stay in jail and he's making deals where they're out. And, you know, we find out now that he's doing a bail um, he's, you know, put proposing changes to the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court to change the bail um, guidelines here in Philadelphia, which we, we got window. We're stopping that. Uh, there's a there's a number of things where if you don't keep an eye on him and, and follow him and find out what he's doing, then we're going to be we'll, we'll be swimming upstream for quite some time. So we've been doing a pretty good job of that. We've got him tied up on quite a few lawsuits uh, and we're dragging him into court, which he does not. He's very arrogant. He does not like to be a part of any of that. He doesn't feel he has to answer to anybody. So we just have to keep him in check and keep doing what we're doing. Well, John, you know, you're talking about an elected DA. Uh, one of his sole responsibilities is to protect victims uh, and to enforce crime. Uh, two things that he's clearly not doing a very good job at. Uh, 562 homicides and you know it's, it's it's a number it's and it's a staggering number but uh it, it becomes a more staggering number when you put the number aside and recognize that that's 562 people that's 562 families that have been for every change who's speaking on behalf of the victims in in well, that's, that's a good question and you know getting back to the 562 one's too many but we have a number of children being shot uh, which is um you know it never uncharted territory so to say but uh and 
to be able to, to justify or be able to excuse or be able to, uh, you know, put your spin on, on a homicide, 562 is way too many. Uh, and the people that need to speak out or, you know, we, we have a police commissioner and a, and a mayor uh, who do not, um, you know, there's no cooperation or collaboration with, uh, with, with District Attorney Krasner and our police commissioner and our mayor or our AG or our U.S. attorney. There may seem to be a good front, but uh, there's no cooperation. There's no nothing that, that they need to do to maybe solve these crimes or, or put task force together or do what they need to do. But the bottom line is, is that it, it all falls on his lap. We're out there doing the job. We're protecting the community. Uh, we're doing it with less people, with probably about six to 700 down. And I, and I know we'll get to that later. But the, the fact of the matter is, is right now people need to know that when they get, get arrested, they need to stay in jail. Uh, we're taking the guns. There needs to be more people that know that once they get arrested, that there, there's going to be an issue and that they're going to spend some time in jail. And right now, that's not the common theme here in Philadelphia. Yeah, John, we, we, I mean, it's, we've established the fact that crime is, uh, is definitely on a rise, despite what, uh, what some uh, they want to downplay it. We know that uh, that's a staggering number of the amount of families that have been impacted. But we also know that not only is crime going up against the, the public, we also see it as becoming much more dangerous for our, our law enforcement officers as well. And by our count, you've had six officers who were shot last year in the line of duty. Right. Uh, and that's, uh, that, that in itself is a staggering and very disturbing number because an attack on a law enforcement officer is really an attack on the very things that are, that are important to all of us, and that is the safety and security of our community. So if there's a lack of respect for the people who, uh, you know, who are, are making our community safe, well, that, that, that speaks a lot, speaks volumes about, uh, about where we are in society today. Um, how hard is it to be a police officer in this environment today? You talked about you know, staff shortages. You talk about the lack of support of a district attorney. You have to wonder about whether you're doing your job, whether or not you yourself is go are going to be uh, attacked for it. Uh, it what's, what's the, I mean, the officers in Philadelphia, how are they feeling showing up, showing up every single day despite all of this? You know, uh, they're out, we're out doing the job. We're showing up. We're understaffed. We're undermanned. Uh, just the other night, two nights ago, we had a 12-year-old uh, a kid. Uh, with a Taurus uh, fully loaded, open fire on, on four police officers, twelve year old, twelve year old. You know, I, I, it's, I've, what do you say about that? I mean, when I was twelve years old, I was out at the football field or on the baseball field, not not playing with guns, with an ankle bracelet on, under house arrest and firing at police officers. It's, yeah. you know, that's the climate here in Philadelphia right now. And I feel the officers feel they don't have the backing uh, from city hall that they need you know instead of out there supporting the officers we seem to be apologizing to the criminals um and that's 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 not good you're sending a bad message uh again there's a you know if you're elected to do a job do the job if you don't want to do it step aside let somebody else do it let somebody else take the reins and, and let's get let's get a handle on this thing it wouldn't take long for us to get a handle on it uh i think morale is low i think uh, we need a shot in the arm there but i think that the fact of the matter is, if you show the officers that you're going to back them and we can do the job respectfully and within the guidelines that we need to do it. Uh, we're not the big bad guys out there, really. We're out there, you know, when, uh, you know, trying to get the job done, trying to keep a handle on things. And we just seem to not to have the support. So what, what's the officer say? He throws his hands up. and You know, what do, I, what, what do you want me to do? I mean, do I get arrested by Krasner for doing my job? Uh, do I get disciplined? Do I get fired from? from city hall because they don't like the way we handled something. I mean, you know, we go through training, a lot of training, 10 months of training and uh, you know, let us utilize our training on the street and, 
and start supporting the officers. Yeah, and stop stop decriminalizing the criminals and stop depolicing the police. Exactly. I mean, it really comes down to that. Uh, it, and I'd love to say, I mean, it, it would be good to say, you know, it's a shame that Philadelphia is dealing with this problem and they're the only one. But this is duplicated across this country, and they all have this one thing in common. That is, is there's a lack of consequences for the actions of criminals. And because of that, they're more brazen in what they do. And they get out easily in order to be able to continue to reoffend and reoffend and reoffend. Exactly. And the, the thing that's dividing, the thing that's stopping bad people being in the lives of the good people in the city of Philadelphia is a law enforcement officer. Yep. You know, there's been a lot of really good things that, uh, that, that, that your members, that the Philadelphia police officers have done to take violent crime, you know, violent offenders off the street. Uh, you know, from, it seems like every other day we're showing some good work being done, taking, you know, uh, weapons off the street and, you know, from criminals. Talk about some of the some of the really positive things that your that your members are doing to to try and clean up the street, only to have this reoccur because they're getting back on the street on our sweetheart deals. Yeah, I mean we're we yeah sweetheart deals. It's you know what if you want to be a criminal, come to Philadelphia. That's what they're saying out there now, and uh, you won't have to worry about a damn thing. But um, you know, right now we're out. Like I said, we're undermanned. But what you want to see when you go to work in the morning or in the afternoon is look to your left and look to your right. You want to make sure somebody's standing next to you because right now we're, we're, our ranks are thin. Uh, on top of that, we're still going out every day. We're doing the job and we're doing community. We're out in the community more and including here at the FOP, we're doing a lot more here than we've ever done. We, you know, making sure that our officers are good, making sure that there's a partnership with the community, making sure that we do different programs and help out different schools, iPads. Uh, we do a Coats for Kids project. We do a lot to, uh, to get our name out there and to give the police department a positive outlook you know in the community and they're doing a good job also but at the end of the day you know we can't have uh you know coffee with cops while we have you know four active shootings going on in the city of philadelphia there's got to be some happy medium there but uh right now you know we're doing a lot more with a lot less and you know that needs to change and and we need to recruit better and um, we need to do a better job of, of filling our folks and you know one of the most traumatic times um, that a person has is when they dial 911 for help and sometimes it takes two, three, four hours for an officer to respond because the priority is not there. Yeah, it's at strange times. And, and, and there is a, and I appreciate what you were saying about building those relationships within a community. Because what we're finding is, is that we actually, like every law enforcement officer, this is, this is where we live and work. I mean, we want, we want success. We want safe communities. We want safety, you know, safe working conditions. We want all of these things. We want, want the same thing everyone else has. Uh, the, the problem is, is that what we have is others that are downplaying it. They'd rather demonize law enforcement rather than recognize it. And we're a huge part right. of their quality of life. We're doing a big, uh, a big, um, program right now where we're collecting supplies and, and um, um, you know, toiletries, so forth for uh, Ukraine to get it over there. And it, there's going to be a boat going out next Wednesday. And, you know, we don't, you know, because it's led by the FOP, it's led by the police. Um, the media doesn't seem to pick it up because it's, it's not, it's not going to sell. You know, if it's not a cop doing something wrong, uh, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to entertain it. So that's, you know, we're fighting two fights. We're fighting the district attorney. We're fighting the media. And I know that's common around the around the country with some of these progressive district attorneys. So we need to, uh, you know, we need to just keep doing what we're doing, not lose hope and keep our morale up here and do our best to support the cops on the street. 
Uh, uh, so true. We talk about prosecution, you, you know, about uh, lack of prosecution. We talk about us taking people off the streets and about the tools that we have in order to be able to do so. The training we have and really how all of this kind of kind of is, is a huge part on how we create safer communities. But recently you had the legislation that was changed, uh, ordinances changed within Philadelphia that really kind of tie your hands to, to do the job of law enforcement. So at a time when we should be trying to get a handle on what's going on with this rise of crime, what we're doing is we're actually taking some steps that are, that are really taking us backwards in our ability to be able to address it, uh, having to do with traffic stops as an example. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would think that, you know, uh, they, they do a lot of this legislation. Some of it's just absurd because, you know, it's not reform. So what they did now was there's a list of offenses that are motor vehicle code violations that no longer can you stop a car for in Philadelphia. Uh, so just jump on a car with no inspection, broken windshield, no tag, no insurance, and you could just drive around the city of Philadelphia and not have to worry about, not have to worry about a damn thing. So uh, we went into court uh, last week to stop that. So we're in the process of, uh, of fighting that law. Um, you can't supersede state law. Uh, we also contacted the Commonwealth and some of our state legislators in Harrisburg to stop funding to come back to Philadelphia until they fix this ludicrous law uh, that they made up or this ordinance or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so, you know, and I said that, you know, when we, 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 we went into court. We had a lot of media press on this and, um, you know, they were trying to paint it as a racial thing. It's not a racial. It's not a black, white. It's not an Asian. It's not a Latino. It's not a white. Uh, it's not a Hispanic. It's what you're doing is breaking the law, whether you're white, black, green, yellow. It doesn't matter if your car is not legal. It shouldn't be on the street. It shouldn't be insurable. Uh, and it probably isn't insured. And that's just going to cause the rest of the city to have havoc with their insurance companies, because once they get wind of that, rates are going to go skyrocketing. Uh, so we're trying to, to stop that. And we're, we're confident that we're going to prevail in uh, in common police court and uh, Hopefully, in the meantime, nobody gets hurt. But, in, it, you know, the one girl made a the one media person made a, uh, a did a, did a question about race. And I said to her, I said, you know, may, would you put your are you married? Do you have kids? She said, yes. Would you put your your husband and your and your kids in a car that has a broken windshield, no tag, no insurance and is barely runnable and uh, unsafe on, on, on the highways here in Philadelphia? And she said, absolutely not. I said, well, you just answered our question. It should, shouldn't be, you know, it's not safe. Uh, it's not good for anybody. I don't know how they paint that as reform, uh, but they did. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to our day to, uh, to yank that off the, uh, yank it and put it back to the way, the way it should be. And, and again, as we talked earlier, who's talking about the victims? Are you talking right. about the very car or someone who may operate that's not legal for a number of reasons? Exactly. Safety issues that it causes, not just for them. But everyone else, all the law-abiding citizens that are driving on the street as well. Right. Well, it doesn't, for the victims. left and the right don't know what they're doing. We have state police that come into Philadelphia. We have other outside agencies that come into Philadelphia. Um, they don't know what to enforce or not to enforce. They're going to still enforce the motor vehicle code. Our cadets, our recruits are trained 10 months at the academy. A lot of it has to do with motor vehicle code. You know, what, what are they learning? You know, is there two motor vehicle codes? Nobody knows. But uh, hopefully we're going to get that stopped as we've had been pretty successful in all the other legislation that they've introduced under reform. And let's not mix it up here. We're for 
reform, but sit down and talk to us, give us a seat at the table. And now they just want to ram it down our throats, bang their chest and tell us what to do and not to do. And we're not going to stand for that. We, we're, you know, we're strong. We're, we're powerful. We, we have a sharp pencil. We know what to do. We know how to get this job done and we're going to continue to do it. Yeah. It's a, it's, if you want a job done, you give it to the person, you know, if you, if you really want them to have some, have some impact and you include the people that are part of the process uh, to exclude law enforcement through the, out of the discussions on how we do reform, is really uh, setting yourself up for failure. And we're seeing that. We see these failed experiments all across the country replan themselves because they've made decisions in haste uh, trying to so-called make a reform exactly. criminal justice system. And really what they've done is created more and more victims. And, and incidentally, they're doing it in the places that need us the most. Uh, if you really talk about the black and brown communities, these policies we're doing are, de are, are devastating to those very communities. So there, there has to be some open dialogue. I think it, it, we've always said a, a good fact-based discussion where we're committed to find solutions. We can find solutions to them. We just got to be committed to be able to do it and do it based on fact. Exactly. So, and so I'm seeing, yeah. We're seeing that come back a little bit now. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, to fund the police, to fund the police, to fund the police. Now they're looking for more money for police because they realize this is an issue that they created and we need to get a handle on. Uh, so we need the equipment. We need the resources. We need the people. On, we need boots on the ground to be able to protect the community. And now, the you know, before it was just the FOP screaming about it. Now it's the community screaming about it. So they're starting to catch on and seeing. So I, I'm thinking it's going to come back. It might take a little bit, but I think it's going to swing back our way. Yeah, I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about something that I've been uh, and and you alluded to it when we when we at the top of this uh, this interview, um, it, but I see it as a major crisis that is facing law enforcement across this country, and it is only building and building, and that is is that we are not attracting the best and brightest to come into the law enforcement profession because we've been demonized so much that uh, that we're just uh, our our recruiting is down to a level that is is almost laughable uh, of people. Why would they take this job under these particular environments? You know, in this environment, everyone is, you know, we, we have the media and we have politicians that are demonizing uh, this profession. Uh, you just don't, we don't have the best and brightest. The next wave of law enforcement, the next wave of people that are going to protect our communities, they're just not stepping up to do it. At the same time, we're seeing law enforcement officers leave at a much higher pace than we've ever seen before. And you mentioned how many you're down in, in your agency. And, and unfortunately, that is agencies all across this country. I see a crisis coming in the fact that we both know, anyone who's worked in law enforcement know that if we found a qualified candidate for every vacant position today and hired them, we're probably four or five years before they become that effective officer. So we have this this this, this problem that exists in, in, in our profession where this crisis in that we're, we're running such a manpower shortage that it's going to take a while to fix that. And at the same time, the ones that are on the job or, I mean, what about their well-being? Uh, the force, the, the amount of hours they're having to work and, and just the conditions they're working in. We're, we're, we're in a crisis situation. What, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you do see in Philadelphia? Well, in Philadelphia, they made one of the most ridiculous, another bang your chest reform, ready, fire, aim ordinance, where they said you must live in the city of Philadelphia for a year before applying for uh, the Philadelphia Police Department. Well, that makes no sense. Nobody's going to move to the city of Philadelphia hoping they get a job. You know, prior to that, uh, under under our previous two commissioners, we had a great um, system set up where we were out at, at military bases. We were out at uh, universities, colleges around the country, uh, community events around the country, large events around the country, recruiting people to come in, uh, take the pretest, move into the city of Philadelphia, 
uh, you have a year to move in once once you're appointed and you know then you could you can get a feel for the city and they did the same thing with our commissioner they they recruited her from the west coast she didn't have to live here for a year uh, prior so um, that law has to be changed it has to go back that would give us a little bit more uh, a little bit more um, juice I guess or ammo to be able to, to bring people in uh, just last Saturday uh, our police academy uh, invited 1,000 applicants to the academy for the pre-testing um, orientation 45 showed up out of a thousand and out of that 45 10 people walked away going on to the next step uh, that that numbers are staggering uh, those numbers compared to we're losing 20 a month to retirements to drop programs to injuries uh, and just normal pensions so we're not we're not by any chance uh, getting anywhere near where we need to be so if you get a class of say 100 people it takes 10 months to go through the academy here with the training uh, say you lose 150 to 200 during that time so we're still upside down uh, until we can find a better way to get the people in more lucrative you know the job's great i mean they got great representation they have great medical benefits it's job security obviously but i think people have that um, looking over their shoulder attitude about the current district attorney and the current mayor that we have here where they won't be supported uh, and they don't want to take that chance so you know do you agree with them i mean listen i'm i have it in my blood you have it in your blood to be a police officer um and you know it takes that certain thing to be able to you know this isn't just a job you're not going to clock in and clock out you know you can't turn it on you can't turn it off you have to have it in you and we need to get that message back out there and we need to find we need to dig these people out and bring them back and and, and get police you know this this occupation more uh lucrative and more more uh, you know just more positive and you know there's a number of things but you know right now what, what we have is is we're borderline emergency situations and it, it trickles down to the officer on the street too you know when they ask their sergeant or lieutenant or cat can i get a day off and they just don't have the people so you know you're working these long days you're expected to work overtime um you know and it's just it's just you know how much of a toll does it take on the officer not only the officer but his family you know you're missing events at home for your kids um which is you know family should be first uh but you know, our guys or girls are loyal, they're, uh, they're hardworking, and, you know, we're going to continue to keep the city safe, even with the numbers that we have. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's certainly a struggle. You know, you know the law enforcement, uh, law enforcement officers are ordinary people. They're ordinary people that are called upon to do some pretty extraordinary things at times, and, and we'd like to think that that doesn't have a toll on them as well. Uh, so, so the next crisis is is the well-being of the people who show up every day that have been there consistently in this entire time. Took mm -hmm. us through a pandemic, and and now taking us through unrest and 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 uh, you know I guess the total demonization of law enforcement. Somebody needs to wake up, uh, not just in Philadelphia but cities across this country, and recognize that the harm that has that has been done by demonizing the eight hundred thousand men and women who suit up and show up in communities across this country every single day and make a difference. They're hurting. They're hurting the very things that America stands for. So, exactly. John, I appreciate uh, appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, I wish you uh, absolute best. I, I, you do an awesome job representing your members. Uh, some of the finest people I've met are the are Philadelphia police officers. We appreciate it. Thank you for all you're doing for us in Washington and, and around the country.
John, thank you again. This is some, some tough times, uh, but 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 I want to thank you personally for, you know, it's a tough time to be a, a law enforcement officer. It's a tough line to be a tough time to be a leader of uh, of an organ of, of an organization of law enforcement law enforcement officers. So thank you for protecting the protectors. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, I also want to thank our viewers for, for tuning in uh, to, to talk about those issues that are highly, that are extremely important to the men and women who show up in communities across this country every single day uh, to make a difference. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of The Blue View, hosted by Patrick Yost, National President of the Fraternal Order of Police. To catch our next episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review. To get the latest from the National FOP, make sure to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at GLFOP and on Instagram at FOP National. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.